Welcome to episode 63 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Giver, a garage-born outdoors and apparel company. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash giver to learn more. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host today. I believe if you desire a truly fulfilling life, both personally and professionally, then you must be willing to find a connection with people outside of your everyday circle of influence, which is why I created the Jackson Hole Connection Podcast. Today's guest is a former Wall Street executive, husband of 51 years, published author, TEDx speaker, and overall great person following his true purpose in life, Jim Owen. Jim will share with us the how and why about his most recent book, titled Just Move, A New Approach to Fitness After 50. Jim was inspired to write this book due to his own health status at the age of 70, and it was not looking so good at the time. Jim is also the author of the fabulous book, Cowboy Ethics, What Wall Street Can Learn from the Code of the West, and he's the creator of the top 10 principles which make up the Code of the West. As Jim said, everyone needs a code to live by. Now find yours. Doctors say you got the body of a 60-year-old man. I said, well, that's, I guess that's good. I don't know. <laughs> what old man are you talking about, you know? <laughs> well, you, 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 no, probably, joking, right? uh, you probably stay super healthy and, and active. I don't know. Which I is do super all important. I can do, Stefan. That's all you can do. It's what you, all you can do is what you can do. That's right. So, Good for you, Jim. You're an inspiration to us all, for sure. Well, would you tell my wife that? Because she, she, uh, she questions that sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to stay yeah. out of that business because I have a wife. We, we, <laughs> yeah, we, we, just had, we just had our 51st anniversary. Can you believe that? Ooh, congratulations. I know. Two, two little kids from Kentucky. Who would have thought? Anyway, life is good, you know. When you when you when you make it good, it's good, and you're lucky, and we've been lucky so far. Well, I think part of the luck is what we all do and the mindset that we live our life by, because we do have influence on how life turns out. And if we are negative in life and we we can't see that there's always going to be something better if we invest in ourselves and the people around us, then it's going to be an alternative route where it just seems like you're never going to get ahead. And it's always, woe me, woe me. Stefan, I never hear people talk about this. And this is one of the most important messages you can tell your audience. It's a mindset. You can say, you know, glass is half empty, or the glass is half full. And all I can say is people who have a, less than positive attitude. I don't think live as long. And I, I know they sure as hell don't have as good a life. I know that from my experience. And you, and you can affect your life. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say you no, have no. more experience to validate that than I do. Well, yeah, I what you say is so is, is I, I never hear this. And, 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 and seven, most older people, you know, never think about it. I'm not sure why. But they get, you know, they, there's a, they, they often get depressed, defeated, and give up on life. And then you have other people who may be up in years, but they still feel my best days are ahead. I feel that way. I'm not Pollyannish. I, I'm not, it's not that, oh, all in life. No, no, no. We've got our own. We have our issues. But 
I, I, I swear I believe in karma, in good karma. I believe in good vibes and good karma. If you send out bad vibes, I honestly believe uh, bad things ha- can happen to you. That's just my belief. If you have good vibes, you attract good luck. That's what I would tell you looking back on my career. Good vibes, good, good energy, we, I call it, attracts good people and positive people. That's what I think. So I'm not an expert on any of this stuff. I'm just a guy giving my opinion. So I have no credentials at all. I'm not a gerontologist or any of that stuff or a longevity expert. I'm not a doctor at all. I'm just a guy who at age 70 says, oops, I got to start doing something. Well, you certainly have an expert level, in my opinion, because you are a published author of, uh, what, three books, Cowboy Seven Ethic. books. Seven yeah. books. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's right. So two books were investment books. One book did real well. I'm going to say 1980, I don't know, it's been so long ago, called A Prudent Investor. Did real well. And then I wrote another book on investing, and then that was my career. And then in 2004, I wrote a book called Cowboy Ethics. I thought we might sell 500 copies. Sold 150,000 copies. I'm as stunned as the next guy. So then I wrote Cowboy Values and wrote a book called The Try. And then came my last book, which is a lot of work, okay, called Just Move. But anyhow, I... Let me know when you want to do the interview and we can get started and look forward to it. Well, Jim, we're going to actually use some of this that we're talking about probably in the oh, interview. Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Okay. Oh, we're, perfect. We're rolling. This is we're great. rolling, baby. <laughs> no, perfect. Perfect. I like that. <laughs> and the great thing I about saved, a podcast. I, I, I just, I, meant, I, I didn't want to give up my good material if it wasn't going to be used, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, baby. Uh, okay. And, I got it. The great thing about a podcast is we can just edit out something that doesn't need to be in there, sure. which which I don't sure. see you say anything that we don't need to have in there. So you wait, you wait. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's you like, are from Kentucky uh, and live in Texas. I, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, married a wonderful, amazing woman from Owensboro, Kentucky. On the high, and we've had 51 great years together. Not that we didn't have our ups and downs, but uh, it's been it's been amazing. We're closer now than we were when we got married. That's all I can say. So we're both we're both lucky. Well, I'm sure. What's your wife's name, Jim? Stanya, S-T-A-N-Y-A. Not Stonia, not Sonia. It's Stanya. Stanya. I think her mom was reading a. Russian novel or something. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea where, she, where the name came from. But uh, she's as pretty as her name. Oh. And uh, the truth be told, she has the charisma in our family. I. If you ever met her, you say, "How would you get there? Would you meet this guy? Like, like he's nobody." And compared to her, she she is charismatic, like you wouldn't believe. Full of energy and just she's been 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 that way her whole life. Well, I'm sure that. You and Stanya have Stanya, in, yeah. in heavily invested in each other, in yourselves, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also in the institution of marriage, which is an immense amount of work. Oh, boy. Well, somebody once said, falling in love is easy. The hard part, 
somebody who loves you back. And that's kind of the truth. I mean, and so, you know, and today, don't get me started. You'll think I'm an old geezer, you know, yakking on about those, quote, young people. I just look at the statistics and what I read, you know, and, and it, it seems today if relationship, you get married, if things don't work out in the first year, well, I'm, we're going to go our separate ways. Like, what? What are you, crazy? And people say, people say young women, young girls will call them, say, Jim, you've been married how long? 51 years. Gosh, your wife is so beautiful. You know, here's a photograph of her. And they say, what, what's, what's the secret? And I say, it's my wife's philosophy. And the girls say, well, what's that? And then my wife says, <laughs> my wife says, divorce, never. Murder, maybe. <laughs> and so we have more fun and we laugh together. They say, oh, you must never argue. Are you kidding? We argue this morning. Sure. <laughs> and she says, <laughs> Stanya says to me, she says, Jim, you don't get anxiety. You cause anxiety. <laughs> and I say, yeah, probably true. Oh, that's hilarious. But, you know, so, but what, what we've always had stuff, and we've, we've always had, and this is not corny, we've always had shared goals. It's not just values, it's the goals. We've always had that. And that's, to be honest about, that's a big part of what's, of what's kept us together. And we both are kind of, you know, goal-oriented as, as a couple. And it's just kind of kept us on the right track, is all I can say. And so we've been, I, I, I listen to stories and, you know, of, of, of people who, for whatever reason, you know, uh, they're on their second or third marriage and this and that. And, and oftentimes when you really get down to it, they, they didn't really have the goals together. Shared, what I call shared, shared goals. And, we, and that, I'm just, again, I'm not an expert on marriage, but that's what we've always had. And we're saving for uh, our first home, you know, saving for this or that or wherever it was. And, and, you know, the goals change. So it's not like 30 years. It's, you know, it's more goals like, you know, one, two, three years out kind of thing. And it's just kept us on track. Right now, both of us are of an age where, thank goodness, both of us are sort of into, quote, health and wellness. And that's right now, that is our shared goal, health and wellness. We want to be as healthy as we can be. We want to do whatever we can do. To, to to make the you know later years of our lives the best they can be. So and people think this is a very selfish thing. No, no, it's just the opposite. I don't want to be dependent upon my kids to take care of me. Like, oh, poor dad, I'd like to go on vacation, but I've got to take care of my dad. I hope that never happens. And that's how Stanya feels. So we want to we want to live together, have as long a life as we can. But it's not about living to 120. <laughs> no, we want we want to is we want to live as with the best quality of life. However long, if it's five years, it's five years. We don't you don't know how long it's going to be, but whatever it is, we're doing what we can do to lead to lead a long quote healthy life. You have to work at it. I mean, I, I'd be honest about it. So that's what we do. We try to work on our good habits, health habits, and we try to drop the bad habits that we all have. So. 
Jim, with this goal that you and your wife had to have, did you have this goal before you wrote Just Move? Or did you write the book and you and or as you're writing the book, you and your wife created this goal? Well, you know, I I know all of I know about your podcast and I know your reputation, which is pretty doggone you know, high. You're asking you know, that's a wonderful question to ask. Okay. I've never asked that question. So I'm gonna tell you the truthful answer. When I turned seventy, I was in quote god awful shape. I'm talking about chronic lower back pain. And it's not the same as being stiff in the you know, going, I slept on the wrong side of the bed. No, lower chronic back pain is like, it's, it's debilitating. And I've, I spent my share of days literally on the bathroom floor. Like, oh, oh, and that kind of stuff. Both knees were shot. My right rotator cuff was frozen. And this is when I turned 70. And I, about, not, I wasn't obese. I was probably 20 pounds, maybe 25 pounds overweight. But Stefan, the, the worst part was this is when I turned 70. I looked in the mirror on my 70th birthday. And the worst part was low energy. I, I just ask older people, and they'll tell you if they're being honest about it. I don't seem to have the energy I used to have. It doesn't matter if you played sports in high school or college. It doesn't matter. Just it seems like part of getting older is you sort of, you know, your energy sort of not the same. And so I looked in the mirror and said, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm an old man. <laughs> Stefan, I came across one statistic that changed my life. I, th- I think it's Mayo Clinic. And so that out of a very large population, now we're not talking about 15 Denmark or D- Danes or that kind of thing. No, it's just out of 100,000 population. If you make it to 70, statistically, you can expect to live at a minimum 15 years. That's the, that's the statistics. Make it to 70. They, now, you may get hit by a truck the next day, okay? But out of a very large population, 15, you ask any doctor, and they say, you know, I haven't seen that, but it kind of makes sense. You're going to live 15 years. You're going to live to be 85, okay? Again, you might get hit by a truck the next day, Okay. And, and I said, okay, uh, if I feel like this and look like this now, can you imagine what I'm going to look like in 15 years? That was a wake-up call. I said, my God, it can only be downhill. And, and, and Stephen, I, I didn't know what to do, so I'm, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff. And what I, I've always loved research. I, going back to when I was a kid, I don't know why, but it, I've always just enjoyed taking a topic and sort of, you know, jumping in the deep end and saying, huh, I'm, I'm curious. I've always had that intellectual curiosity about what I wanted, what, what my interest is. Not to be confused now with school research, no matter what I personally, whatever it may be. So I, started, I delved into it and said, huh, really interesting. I talked to a lot of the so-called experts. And of course, one problem Stephen, would you know, is experts often disagree. You know, eggs are going to kill you. No, eggs are good for you. Red <laughs> meats are going to die. Now they just came out with a big, stu- major study. Well, last week is written in all the newspapers. Red meat is not so bad after all. You know, so this quote, what they call evidence-based stuff, is interesting. I, you know, I read it. I had to for the book, but what I learned was basically trial and error. 
So what I learned was from my own mistakes. And, and you ask about my philosophy. It's so simple. I, whatever worked, I kept doing. What didn't work, stopped doing. That's all, that's all this was. And if the truth is, if the, if the book had been written, okay, for someone my age, I wouldn't have spent all this time working on a book. Not me. I, I've got better things to do. But I couldn't find a book. And I mean, I read every book I could get my hands on. But most of, most books regarding health and wellness or fitness, what do you want to call this, are aimed at, at, a, at a younger demographic. Okay? Men's Health, and I, I don't mean to pick on Men's Health Magazine, uh, but you know, it's, it's aimed at guys in their 20s, 30, maybe 40s of age. And um, it has nothing to do with what do you do when you're 65 or 70 years old and you're, you know, yes, you're mobile, but you're not very functional. And so it's not about bodybuilding. It's about what I call functional fitness, being able to, how do you get rid of your aches and pains? What do you do to get rid of aches and pains? I didn't know until I did the research. I said, okay, um, you've got to do some stretching, got to do some balance because, you know, one third of all adults over 65 uh, fall every year. I mean, do, do you know anybody that's fallen? I, I can, in the last month, I think three of our friends have fallen. Mm. It's just terrible. Boy, you get older and you fall, and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you don't have the, your bones tend to be more brittle than they were when you were younger. And all of a sudden, man, you've got some problems. So, uh, flexibility, you know, balance. I, I learned to do about doing some strength training. Yeah, well, do you lift heavy? Why would you want to lift heavy? There's, there's, there's no payoff for lifting heavy. I, 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 you can, I couldn't do one push-up on day one. I can do three sets of 50 now. I don't do it every day because it would, you know, tear up my shoulder. But once a week, I, it's, you know, push-up day. And I'll do a set of 50, do another set, and do a third set. And it's amazing. I could not do one on day one. So the point of my story is when it comes to fitness, for example, it's just baby steps. And one mistake older people make, and you, you can do this when you're younger, you know, CrossFit and stuff like that when you're younger. When you're older, if you, if you try to do too much, uh, you're going to hurt, hurt yourself. Uh, you'll get discouraged. So I just learned to do baby steps and progress, but progress at a you know, reasonable pace. And I look back, and it's been nine years now, and I'm in the best shape today I've ever been, I, 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 to be honest about it, in my life. I weigh less than I did in high school. I weigh 205 in high school. I weigh 154, 155. Can you imagine that? And how tall are you? In high school, 6'1". All right. Yep, and I'm not that athletic. I mean, I'm not that coordinated. It's not about that. But, but, but the, the main thing is the aches and pains are gone. Congratulations. Period. Woo! So what is that worth? How do you put a price on that? And I've got good friends of mine who have chronic back pain. And sometimes they say, well, the answer is surgery. Oh, yeah? Not for me. So, I'd, I mean, I went to doctors. I went to physical therapists. I just kind of figured out, okay, stretching is not much fun in the beginning. You know, it's kind of, oh, God, stretching. Well, stretching saved my life, I can tell you right now. So I stretch, you know, 
three, four times a week. But I, basically, my routine is real simple. I, I work out one hour a day, five, six days a week. And working out for two hours doesn't do you any good. There's, a, there's, 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 there's diminishing returns, particularly when you're older. So one hour is all you need to do. And I do strength training three times a week. And I do cardio three times a week. And I combine that with, you know, stretching and so on. And, you know, but there's a lot of things you can do. The main thing is to, is to get off, your, off the couch and move. And that's why the book is called Just Move. And so my message to your audience is, you know, whether you're 70, and that's how old I was now. Jim, do you have any certifications? Absolutely. I was a certified couch potato. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's the only one I've got. I'm not a gerontologist. I, I don't. I know nothing about this other stuff. I don't pretend I'm not an MD, uh, but uh, I was a, a couch potato. And when you look at the at the statistics, this is it's very sobering. And I don't mean to get on a downer with you and your audience, but here they are. Okay, the average adult sits between eight and eleven hours a day. Mm-hmm. So between riding, riding in a car, uh, you know, looking at the computer, working at a computer, uh, watching TV, even maybe reading a book, eight to 11 hours a day. That's and a my, is it ever? So then you wonder, why do you have lower back pain? Well, a primary reason is you're sitting too darn much. As I've often said, your favorite couch is not your friend. You gotta you gotta move. I'm not saying you have to lift heavy weights. You can walk, you can bicycle, you can swim, you can do all kinds of physical but you've got to go from a sedentary lifestyle. That's what I that's what I that was my lifestyle. I was sedentary, okay? riding on planes, eating late night dinners with clients, that kind of stuff. Okay? So oh, I'm too busy, I'm I had every excuse in the world. Until I, I turned 70 and said, no more excuses. I've got to do something or it's gonna, I'm going to be, um, and I could see myself in a wheelchair with a walker. And so I said, that's not for me. So that, that's when I got this. I said, okay. I'm, and I, I don't even call it fitness. I, I call it health and wellness. I want to I feel better. And, you know, also <laughs> I like to look, you know, look younger. I mean, nothing wrong with that. And all I can say is I look and feel, look, I feel better and I look younger than I did, you know, 10 years ago. I know people who are 60 who look and act like they're 80. And I know people who are 80 who look and act like they're 60, move like they're 60. I said, huh, I want to be in that second group. I just said, well, what are they doing? And without exception, everyone who is 80 who looked 60 was doing some kind of physical activity. And to your audience, this does not mean you have to better get a high-priced gym or you have to, you know, hire a personal trainer. No, no, no. You have to get off the couch and move, whatever that means. Swim, bicycle, trying to jog, whatever. I chose for me, I, I, I happen to enjoy a gym. Uh, now, would would Jim would I would I would I work out with videos? No, I'd get bored to death. I couldn't do that in my life. So I I'm lucky. I live in a you know, you know tall building. We have a gym upstairs, so I don't have to get in a car and drive 25 minutes. Uh, I'm I'm lucky. I just walk. I just take the you know the elevator and I'm, I can work out. 
that's what I do. But to me, it's more, it's less about being fit or staying fit than it's about, about being healthy and trying my best to, quote, age well. And that's why I'm doing a project. I wrote this book called Just Move. It came out in 2017. And National Geographic had never done a book like this, Stefan, never. And they said, yeah, we love it. Of course, they like, they like cowboy ethics. And they thought, well, this guy did cowboy ethics. Maybe we can do a book. Said, you know, we'll give it a shot. So we signed the contract, and it took me two years. And when I got through, the book's about 230 pages. <laughs> when I got through, they said, oh, by the way, Jim, we, you have to have your, everything has to be sourced. I said, well, what, what do you mean sourced? Well, you know, on page one, you say experts agree that. What experts? I said, why didn't you tell me this? And they said, well, you probably wouldn't have signed the contract. And I said, you're right. <laughs> took about took, took about a month to go back over every single paragraph. And whatever else, like I told you about, about, about this, if you make it to, you know, 70, I, I, for life, me, it's either Mayo Clinic or Harvard uh, Medical School. It was one of the two, but that didn't satisfy. They had to know, is it Mayo Clinic or is it not? Okay. And I had to cite the sources. So I got through all that. Then they said, oh, by the way, one more thing. You have to have a nationally recognized expert on longevity. Read the book and sign off on it. I said, what? I don't know anybody that can do this. Oh, don't worry, we'll find them. So we had this gal from Duke University, and she apparently is renowned. I don't think they say she is. She has her credentials at least. So she read the book, every damn paragraph. <laughs> and she signed and she wrote the pre- preface of the book. She said, great book and that kind of stuff. So that was encouraging. But uh, it's very funny that the, the, our biggest disagreement came from a statistic, and that is the guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention called CDC. And she said, Jim, I don't think what you're seeing on this section of the book meets their guidelines. And I said to her, it's called guidelines. It's not called law. Okay. (laughs) She really took umbrage at this and said, no, this is the best scientific evidence that we have. And I I said, I will do it. But I, I guarantee you, they're going to change this in you know a year or two. And so, I take with a grain of salt, you know, all the scientific stuff. I mean, it, it's important. You have to know that. But basically, I'm more in the practical. What works, what doesn't work. That's kind of what I'm into. I'm just that's just my nature. I'm, I'm not an quote acad- theoretical academic person. And if you if you if you tie yourself too much to that, what you see on a very consistent basis is when the experts say one thing today is gospel, and then a year goes by, and they say just the opposite, and I see it all the time. So anyway, I'm just practical in what I do. But the book came out, and now I'm working on a. Uh, I have a project. I'm doing a 30-minute documentary film, and I know your eyes are going to glaze over. Documentary film. Jim's gone Hollywood. Well, I've done two documentaries before. One won a very nice award. This is called Code of the West, Alive and Well in Wyoming in 2010. And this is based on the book Cowboy Ethics. And I'm proud to say, um, as a result of that documentary, the state of Wyoming adopted the code, my 
my you know take on the code of west as the official code of the state of wyoming is that cool or is that cool i think it's so as awesome. far as we know wyoming it. is the only state that has a code it's, it's i mean it's signed the governor signed it into law now you're not gonna go to jail if you don't do it it's, it's aspirational live each day with courage take pride in your work so in this case what we're doing uh my partner uh is a guy named jim havey and i've known jim for over 30 years. He's out of Denver, where we used to live in the old days. And Jim is a remarkable guy. He's a, he's a cinematographer. He's won four, not one, but four Emmys. And, um, you know, I, so he's my partner. I'm the producer. And that, that just means I raise the money, I hire the people, I find the people who we're going to shoot. But Jim's the cameraman. So Jim. It's Jim's genius that makes these documents, not what I do. I just, I'm more of the business side of it. But uh, we started this thing in May, and uh, our goals are finished by the end of May of next year. And I think we're going to, based on what we've done so far, I think it's going to be remarkable. And what's interesting to me, Stefan, is that we are giving this away as a public service thing. We're not, we're not charging, you know, four ninety five or something. No, we're just going to, hey, we're going to. We're going to find sponsors and and uh, give it away. So if you're if you're a YMCA, if you're a you know uh, old folks home or a senior living center or whatever it may be, we're more. Than, uh, if the Rotary Club wants to show it, that's fine. Here it is. Take it with our blessing. And so, I think it's going to be a real great public service. Just a couple of quick statistics uh, on this. And I just, I find this fascinating myself, okay? There are 100 million people over the age of 50 in this country. That's, it's 99 million plus, okay? But let's, let's call it 100 million. Stephen, would you believe 70 per, 70%, that is 70 million people have one or more chronic health conditions? Now, that is a statistic that no one argues with. Oh, I Imagine believe this. Now, we say chronic. Well, what does that mean? High blood pressure, uh, heart issues, cancer, you know, that kind of stuff. We're not, we're not talking about measles or polio. That's non-communicable as opposed to communicable diseases. And so what's interesting about this is, is that 75%, and that's, the, that's not my number, but these are good numbers, are related to lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example. If a woman who's 49 years of age, God forbid, gets breast cancer and you, the doctor finds out she's been smoking, she's been drinking, maybe to excess, does not exercise at all and could be, you know, some kind of opiate type stuff. Okay. Wow. And so there's also because of her personality, there's a lot of anxiety in her life. Why would, it, why would anybody be surprised that she gets that she has breast cancer? That's, that shouldn't be a surprise. And that's what we're talking about. It's lifestyle related. So let's say she goes to the doctor and the doctor says, well, I've got some bad news. You know, you're going to live maybe another two or three years. You should have come to me, you know, earlier before it got this far. And she says, thank you, doctor. She goes home and she all of a sudden says, okay, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to get off these damn, you know, opiates or whatever you want to call them, drugs, whatever. And I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and really, you know, work on, on my getting better. 
seven or eight years go by and she goes back to the same doctor and says, you're still alive? Oh, yeah, doc, I feel great. It's lifestyle related. Anybody, and that's why we're doing this thing. We're trying to get people off the couch, moving, and this exercise stuff is a really a core issue, okay? You have to move. I'm not saying gym membership or lifting heavy, but you've got to be, you've got to have some kind of physical activity, okay? Also, you've got to be aware, mindful of what you put in your mouth. Now, I'm not saying never have a piece of chocolate cake or something. No, not a fanatic, just moderation. But you can't just stuff yourself with cheese, double cheeseburgers and French fries and milkshakes and say, well, Jim, I'm overweight. Well, I'm not surprised. Surprise. Right? <laughs> Surprise, yeah. And so, and so the, the, another one, that once you kind of go down this path, this is, this is why I call you know, what we're doing, Stephanie, it's, 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 it's really not. I, I don't even call it fitness. I, mean, I, I call it just health and wellness is what I call it. Another, another one is, is quality sleep. You'd be surprised with older people. Um, how many of us have trouble sleeping? It's, it's very fitful. And this can cause all kinds of issues. And so, you know, just what can you do to maybe you need to go to bed at the same time every night. Maybe you need to, you know, get the extra half hour of rest. Maybe you need to take a break from the computer. And maybe you need to shut off the TV, you know, before you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Another one is, 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 is what I call uh, limiting stress. Um, I, I just, the, 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 we all have stress today. If you don't, you know, you're not, you're just sitting in a, in a dark room somewhere. Just if you read the, if you read the newspapers, it's enough to give you stress today. We know that. So whether it's what's happening with China or the stock market or whether it may be political, you know, breakdown, whatever it may be, we've, we've, we're all feeling stress. So you got to find, do something to help, you know, address that stress level, which can really cause a lot of bodily harm. And then I, what, what you said earlier, when we first started talking about a positive outlook, there's no doubt about it. Every statistic I've seen says that somebody, people with a positive attitude, it's true, do live longer. Absolutely true. Now, why is it true? We can talk all day about that, but that's, what the, that's, that's a fact. And finally, there's what I call a sense of purpose. And that's not the same as having a goal. A sense of purpose is why you get out of bed in the morning. It's, it's how you want to be remembered, you know, when you pass away. It's, it's what, what matters most in your life. And I'm lucky I've been able to find a purpose after I retired. And that is, it was cowboy ethics. And I, I, I literally have gave 300. I stopped counting how many talks I gave after 300. I was giving, you know. 30, 35 talks a year on cowboy ethics for about 10 years. And I paid the price. Just that's what happened. I'm not whining. I'm just what happened. So I'm just now my purpose is this, you know, the art of aging well. And I'm just determined to get this message out. And that's why I appreciate you taking your time to talk to me because I, I, don't, I don't have any other way of getting this message out. It's just to say, it's not, it's not about selling books. You know, you don't need to buy the book unless you want to. But I mean, that's, that's not part of the, I'm not selling protein powder. I'm not a celebrity, you know, trying to sell off my name. No, I'm just an ordinary guy that said, we've got a problem in this country 
and we've got to address it. Everyone talks about how do we pay for insurance, okay? That's all that, that's the conversation. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, how are we going to pay for it? How come nobody is talking about prevention? Nobody. What can each of us do so that we don't get sick? That's and right. We talk to, and I'm, I'm interviewing a, a doctor here in Austin for this, uh, this little film. And he said, Jim, doctors don't make money when you're healthy. Hmm. He said, hospitals don't make money unless you're sick. And he said, there's a perverse incentive with this whole health thing. And, and, and so he's big on prevention. And he said, you know, I feel like a, you know, a, a, you know, like an oddball, like what's wrong with this guy? Because there's not as much money in prevention as there would be in some specialty, like dermatology or you know, that kind of stuff. And so I'm big on prevention. What can do each of us bear some responsibility for our own well-being? And I think the answer has to be yes, or we're going to go bankrupt as a country. So each year we spend $3 trillion plus on uh, health. Okay, that's the number, $3 trillion plus. How much do we spend on prevention? I don't know. It's not very much. I can tell you that. So the doctors don't do it, hospitals don't do it, but it's, that's got to change. So I think it's up to the individual individual to say, I'm going to do what I can do. Uh, I'm not going to rely upon medication. Uh, I'm going I'm to try to eat better, try to sleep better, try to keep my stress you know, down to a reasonable level. I'm going to start doing some kind of exercise, and that's not lifting heavy weights or it's not bodybuilding. It's just functional fitness. So, Jim, let me ask you. cardio. Let me ask you this mm -hmm. question. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, I, no, no. I love what you just said. Each of us has to bear a responsibility of our well-being. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and I so mm -hmm. agree with that. And, and mm -hmm. I love the fact that you've written this book and what your, your goal is here. Your, your book is to help people. How do you think you will help people understand they have to change their mentality and their perspective on life, which is about taking responsibility. Well, here again, you know, this, this is why, this is why you have a, such a highly respected podcast. Let's be honest about it. Okay. Because you know, you know how to, when you're talking to me or you or somebody else on a very different topic, you kind of cut to the chase. Okay. This, you're, what you're asking me is the most important question. Let me, let me give you what my answer is. Okay. Everybody thinks the answer is information. If we just give people information, they're going to do this. The answer is no, they're not. There's information galore out there. So if you think that, that giving, handing somebody a 50-page scholarly report saying, here's why you need to exercise or whatever, hey, no, it's going to read it. It's I'm a great convinced. fire starter. <laughs> that, a great, thank you. A great, I'm going to use that great fire. I like a great fire starter. So I'm going to go back to cowboy ethics, okay? I believe you can inspire people. I believe it in my heart. You can inspire by making an emotional connection with people. Now, I would like to say that this book is so fabulous. I, I don't think the book itself can do it. No, the, the book's the book something that, you know, you might get, the, get a copy out of the library, but to do that, to make that emotional connection, I think you do it through film. And that's why we're doing the documentary. When you see people who are 80 years old, 
who say, you know, exercise, not for me. I, I'm, I'm not a gym rat never in my life, but I had cancer. And that's in the first sec that we just shot this. She's like, she's, I had cancer. And I went to this guy and I, gosh, I feel so much better. Now that I'm, I'm, I'm now working out three times a week. And we filmed her. And she, her outlook on life is incredibly positive. She had cancer. She said, I've lost uh, 35 pounds. She's eating better. And so you might say, let me get this right. She is 73 years old. That's what she says. African-American woman. Okay. And this is not some slim model who's 28 years old. No, we're not talking about Paltrow and somebody who's, you know, young and, and thin. And that. No, we're talking about a normal person who, from a very modest background. You say, well, well, if she can do it, anybody can do it. Sure, anybody can do it. So we're, just, we're, film, we're filming not social people who say, well, I go to a $1,000 a month gym and I've got shoes that cost 250 bucks and I've got a trainer. I've got three personal trainers. We're talking about ordinary people, what they can do. And I'm convinced you can inspire people. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're filming ordinary people who can tell a story. See, that's what you're doing. You're a storyteller. And that's what we're telling a story with film, which I think is more powerful than any book can be as far as affecting change. So how do you, how do you change people? Not easy. It's hard to do because it's, it's hard to change habits. That's what we're talking about. But I'm convinced you can inspire people to make changes. And that's, that's what we're doing. That's my answer. And I can see right now, I've, and I can see it because I'm, I'm, I'm on the, you know, I go and I talk to groups right now. Again, I'm not selling protein powder. I'm not a personal trainer. God knows I don't want to be a life coach. No, I'm 79 years old. I just have a passion for what I'm doing and spreading. I'm just a, a message spreader. <laughs> That's all I am. I just, I, for whatever reason, I say, this I can do. A lot of things I can't do. But by golly, I can get on my feet and talk about this stuff. And people say, I love Jim's, the passion he has. I love the fact that, you know, where he came from. I'm not athletic. I, I, I didn't, you know, I got a, I loved in football, but I, they gave it to me because you know, I was a bench warmer. Tried. I just wasn't, wasn't that coordinated or, or that quick. Okay. I wish I had been, but I wasn't. Well, you're so certainly. I do what I can do. Yeah. You're certainly helping change the world. And, and I've, I appreciate it and I respect that. And uh, so, so that's it. The art of aging well. And, and it's, I, I, you know, we have a, a website, of course, and um, it's just, it, it's all, it, it's all, it's all good stuff. The website by what it's called just move for And, and it's, it's not as robust as I like it to be, but, and I'm just one guy. So I just do the best I can do. But anyway, I've enjoyed this. Hope, hope it's been that you've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed the interview you've asked great questions and and uh, I, I know how successful you've been with this podcast and I appreciate sincerely uh, having me on and I'm, I'm humbled that you would that you would ask me I, I appreciate that thank you thank you very much and you know what Jim we're not quite done yet I'm gonna take a quick bur- break so we can have a word from one of our sponsors and then you and I'll be sure. back to, to wrap things up a little bit. Good. What is your passion? Do you know what it really means to give it your all? Well, the folks at Giver, this is their passion. It's what gets them out of bed every morning 
to chug a half gallon of coffee and eat a one pound burrito and give the rest of the day everything they just ate and more. Giver, to give it your all. Check out their selection of personalized branded kick-ass gloves and more at the jacksonholeconnection.com slash giver, G-I-V-E-R. Last year, my pick was the Old Faithful Top. You have not experienced comfort until you've pulled one of these bad boys on. You got to trust me on this one. Now, give her. Jim, thank you for all the information that you provided about your book, Just Move, and your website, justmoveforlife.com. I, I so value that you're one individual who's working hard and diligently to make a change in the world. In the, and with the aspect of, of health and fitness. But you've also made an investment to help change the world through the book that you wrote, Cowboy Ethics, that has the, the Code of the West. Tell me what prompted you to write the book, Code of Ethics, and tell me as well, what exactly is the Code of the West? Okay, another good question. Well, I spent my whole career in the investment world managing money. And luck plays a big part in your career. You know, right place at the right time. And that, that was certainly true in my case. But I, I was a hard worker and that kind of stuff. Uh, and I was always proud. And my wife was proud to say, my husband's in the, my husband's in the investment world. I was always proud of that. But in the early 2000s, you may recall this, every, every week there was a new scandal. Enron, WorldCom, it went on and on. Bear Stearns said, oh my God, what has happened? And I just, it really depressed me. And I became embarrassed. Like, Bear, you know, we, Goldman Sachs says we put our clients' interests first. Yeah, it sounds great. It's not what the facts tell us. And so the conflicts of interest, the sheer greed. And if somebody said, you know, I'm starving and I'm going to steal a loaf of bread to feed my hungry child, that's one thing. But what if you have a hundred million dollar net worth and you're still doing stuff that's, 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 that's illegal? I mean, I, I don't, I never could understand why somebody would do that. Okay. Doesn't make sense. And one reason did is, is that they, is that the lawyers, the lawyers say, well, technically it's not legal, but I would argue maybe it's not quite illegal. Either way, it's, it's not the right thing to do. And that's kind of, at the end of the day, that's what it was. Maybe you're not going to go to jail, but we all know, you know, it's not the right thing to do. Okay. And so I said, what can I do? I'm just one guy. Just, but I believe, I've always believed in the power of one I've, in my whole life, that one person can make a difference and can actually start a movement. I've always thought that was true. You can laugh and say, you're so naive or yeah, maybe I always thought that. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do, what can I do? So I'd written a couple of books. One did real well, as I told you. And about that time I saw a movie called Open Range. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't seen it. Oh, I have. I know I'll... Kevin. Yeah, I know Kevin Costner. Not not that we're buddies, but Kevin lived in Santa Barbara at the time, and that's where Kevin lived. I, I know Kevin. And um, uh, Bob Duvall and Kevin Costner. I thought it was an outstanding movie. But something about that movie literally changed my life. And it took me back to my childhood. And there was something about black hats and white hats, good guys, bad guys, and, and it, it seemed like a simpler life. And you knew who the bad guys were. 
today you often you know you often don't know okay? who can you trust today and so it, I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky with Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. And to show you how, how dumb I was as a kid, I didn't know they were actors. I thought they were real cowboys. I and mean, what did I know? I never met a cowboy. But I know how they made me feel. And they just sort of became a, they, they became a role model, if you will. And I never met them. I just thought, wow. And there's something about that. Now, I was one of those little kids, you know, eight years old, went to Sari matinees. I think, it was, I think I spent 25 cents to get in, and we saw two, I, I think there were 30-minute reels. Never a real plot, just Roy rising to town, and there was a woman with a worried look on her face. Roy, there's a bad guy at the end of town. And she would say, he would say, don't worry, man, I'll take care of it. Okay. <laughs> 30 minutes later, the guy rides out of town. Everybody's clapping. Come back, Roy. I thought, gee, can you imagine how that would feel to have people clap when you, you know, come back, come back. So it got me thinking and about uh, the code of the West. Uh, when I found out that the code of the West, every cowboy, every cowgirl, knew what it was it was never written down so every every cowboy oklahoma texas idaho montana arizona they all knew what it was i said huh how does that work never written down but they know what it they they know it and when i found this out i said huh now some guys you're gonna say jim i have some bad news buddy a guy named zane gray wrote a book called code of the west sure i read it four or five times he never said what the code was he said Cowboys live by a code. So I spent roughly a year doing research. Again, I, I love research. So did you talk to any cowboys or ranchers? No, actually I didn't. You ride and rope yourself? Nope. I don't like horses myself. <laughs> you wear a hat and boots? Nope. I'm just, this is the iconic cowboy. And so I read easily 100 Western books and I watched 25 of the classic Western movies. I've seen them. My wife is sick of seeing these things. Lonesome Dove, Red River. I've seen them all a dozen times. Okay. I still see them. And out of this research came my take on the Code of the West. So I call this 10 principles to live by. Number one, live each day with courage. This does not say be brave. This does not say have courage. This is, there's a nuance to each of these. And it's the order that they're in. I, I can't explain why, how I got the order. It just took a lot of work, that's all I can say. Okay? It, was, it was the hardest part of the book was the code itself. Look at courage. So there's a single mom with two children living in Denver that she who finds time to help with homework. And she's holding down two jobs. Do you call that courage? I do. Okay? So you don't, we're not talking about being a coward. We're talking about living with courage, living with cancer. And every day, somebody says, gee, Jim, how you, how you doing? I feel great. It's going to be a great day. So I mean, it's that positivity when you, when you have every reason to say, please feel sorry for me. That's courage. Take pride in your work. And what's fascinating is the cowboy and cowgirl take great pride in very modest jobs. This is absolutely true, okay? It's not riding and roping and shooting Indians and that kind of stuff at all. Very modest. Pushing cattle is not particularly exciting. I have done that, by the way, since I wrote the book. But it's, it's just, it's a simple job, but somebody's got to do it. Going out and, you know, when in the middle of winter, okay, when, when it's, it's below zero, 
and you're and you're and you're saving a stranded calf. But these guys take great pride in that. Always finish what you start. Well, cowboys hated quitters almost as much as they hated cowards. They wouldn't tolerate quitters. And so you got to always do what you start. Do what has to be done. I mean, we know what that means. I mean, everybody, you do this, I do this. There are times when you say, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing an interview, but I've got to do it. I've got to roll my sleeves up and gut this thing out. That's what that means. Do what has to be done. And we all, this is part of life when you're older. Be tough, but fair. And this is one of my favorite ones because it's not saying, you know, I'm a pushover. It just says, if we have a disagreement, let's leave, let's, let's leave the lawyers out of it. You, if I listen to your side of the story, would you pay me the respect of listening to my side of the story? And then I'm hoping to meet you halfway. You will not believe uh, how important this thing is, can be to your life if you let it. So if I get into a disagreement about anything, I don't care what it is. I say, I'm not going to take advantage of you. I'm going to meet you halfway. I promise I do not, not trying to get the best of you. So that's where it's called win, win, win. Okay. Make a promise. Keep it. And that's that old cowboy handshake. And this is absolutely true. This is not just a, something in the movies. A cowboy gives his handshake. It's as good as a contract. That's, I believe that's, that's true. And I, I try to live my life that way. When I make a promise, I'm going to keep it. That's how I choose to live. Ride for the brand. And this is an interesting one. Ride for, when a cowboy, uh, this is true today, it was true 150 years ago. When a cowboy joins an outfit, he throws his bedroll in a truck wagon. And they still have truck, truck wagons. And would you believe this? This is true. In certain parts of Texas, they still you know, do the old cowboy stuff. And uh, not helicopters, but actually have truck wagons and the guys go out on, on horseback. And as long as a cowboy collects a paycheck, meager as it may be, um, and it's pretty meager, believe me, um, he gives his total loyalty to the outfit. And if you talk, when I talk to the Wall Street guys, even today, they always say, well, Jim, what if the, what if the outfit doesn't reciprocate? Well, cowboy gets his bedroll, gets back on, the, on his pony, heads on down the trail. Okay. So this ride for the brand simply says, I'm riding for whatever uh, you know, outfit that can be what you're doing with it, with your podcast. That's that's your brand. Okay, talk less and say more. And my wife says, "Why would you? Why would you even say this?" I said, "Well, <laughs> this is aspirational. Sometimes I do talk more than I should." Jim, you don't listen much, do you? Well, I, uh, remember some things aren't for sale. And these are, they get more complex as you go along. This one is really interesting. What brought down Wall Street had nothing to do with the economy. That's, that's ab- not true at all, okay? What brought it down was that everything was for sale, reputation for sale. Now, I'm not talking about $1,000, okay? Talking about if you said, if I said to you, would you sell your reputation for a million dollars? No. You said, what kind of a guy do you think I am? How about five million? No. How about ten million? No. See, there you go. That's no. That's it. Nope. Some things let's say ain't for sale. And this, to me, is one of the one of my favorite of the, all the principles. There are some things, such as reputation, should never be for sale. The truth is, what brought down Wall Street, what brought down the banks, what created 
the, the whole financial crisis that just wiped out so many people was the fact that, quote, everything was for sale. Sure. Guys knew what they were doing. They were, they were, they, you, you think they didn't know they were peddling junk? Come on. Of course they knew because you're smart guys. Didn't oh, yeah. matter. If I, can, if I can make money, okay, a few people who I've never met from Topeka, Kansas, lose money. What do I care? I don't know them anyway. This is a terrible, terrible, terrible trait that some people have who are really often well-educated. It just, this is a, a killer for me. And finally, it's, it's nowhere to draw the line. And that, I got this out of uh, that my favorite Western movie, Lonesome Dove, when uh, the great uh, Texas Ranger, you know, went to the wrong side, and he said, "Gus, I didn't, I didn't shoot anybody." But Gus said, "But you, but you, but you rode with them, and they killed people. You crossed the line." And he said, "Gus, I didn't see any line." So, I mean, I didn't see any line. And he said, "We're gonna, I've got, we're gonna hang you." I. Pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward. And that was his own friend, too. Yeah, I didn't see the line. That's what he said. It was a great line. And he said, Gus, we were going to hang you. So what, what, did the, what did the guy do? He spurred, he said, sorry, guys, sorry I let you down, and spurred his own, his own horse. He didn't, he didn't, he had too much pride to let, you know, one of his old riding, you know, Texas Ranger partners kill him. He said, I'm going to kill myself. It's pretty brutal, and but that's that. Know where to draw the line. You've got to know where to draw. Here's where I draw the line. Period. And we need more. We need more people to say that today. And just you know, whether you're Republican, Democrat, whatever you are, and you don't just say the words. You actually mean it. Okay. And so, I, I, I need to say one one last thing about cowboy ethics. This is not a, a book about cowboys. The cowboy is only a construct. Okay, it's a book. It's a book about self-discovery. So I tell people, I'm not suggesting that you embrace the ten principles. I'm saying use the ten principles as a springboard. Okay, as a you know information source. What do you want to say? To look inside yourself and say, what what do I stand for? What values define who I am? So it's really self-discovery. The, the cowboy's a construct. That's all this is. It's a great construct, and we all need heroes. You tell me, what heroes do we have today in this country? Oh, I got it. Politicians. Oh, really? Poli- you think they're heroes? Okay. <laughs> people of the cloth. Oh, my God. I mean, just one by one, people who we thought were heroes proved to be, uh, let's just say, less than that. The last thing I want to tell your audience about this whole 10 principles and code of the West. And I didn't know this. Okay. When I, when I, when I wrote the book, but somebody wrote me a long letter. I've had an amazing number of emails and letters. You, you wouldn't believe I told you some people who've, who've written me and, th- and they said, Jim, every culture does have heroes. Knights of the round table. Now, is that true or not? Said, we don't know. Is it true or not? We like to think it's true. Musketeers. The ninjas, the samurai, the Vikings. And he said the common thread is all of these cultures, including the American cowboy, live by a code. And the codes are very similar. I didn't know this. So they have to do with loyalty, honor, courage. I, I, ne- I never even thought about this. But it is funny how they, this, is, this, this code of is not that much different than the samurai code. Mm-mm. It's honor, loyalty, you know. 
we, we, I find it fascinating, but we all need that. So one of the problems today and the reason why we're so messed up is the kids today, you know, I, I learn these things around the dining room table that mom and dad today, both parents are working. Kid comes home. There's nobody there. And I do a lot of work with the boys and girls clubs and 4-H and FFA. If you just heard some of the stories about, about, well, mom didn't come home last night. And that's why I didn't get any breakfast. Well, who's your dad? My dad's in jail. Or I don't, I don't, I don't know who my dad is. Just a, it's, it's heartbreaking how so many kids are from broken families today. And we do a lot of work through my foundation. It's called the Center for Cowboy Hicks and Leadership. It's a 501c3. And when I say we do work, I don't myself run the programs. We provide content. So we're very tight with, for example, the boys and girls clubs. And we can show you statistically we have reached 65,000 plus kids mm-hmm. through this cowboy ethics stuff. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, high school, middle school, even elementary school. It's, it's, it's amazing. Jim, why would some middle school kid from Houston, inner city, care about cowboys? answer is, I don't know. Is there something missing from their lives? This is true of so many young people. They're not getting this at home. You've got whatever beliefs you have, you probably got them at home. I did. My brother and I did. And my dad never once talked about ethics. I want you boys to be ethical. I want you boys to you know, have the right value system. He never talked about it because he lived his values. It's like the cowboy lived by their code. So the takeaway from cowboy ethics is that everyone needs a code a creed to live by. If you want to adopt this code of West, I'm happy that you want to do that. But I would hope that you would use that as a springboard to develop your own code, develop a, develop a, a family code. What does our family stand for? What values define who we are? That's there's no right or wrong to it. It's not, nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going. Jim is not going to say that didn't make any sense. No, we all. I have my own values. You've got your values. What's happened is, and I'm, I'm going to close. I've talked way too much. <laughs> I'm sorry to do this to you. But what's happened is in this country, and one reason why we're so divided, is that we have confused personal values and societal values. Okay? Societal, personal values are abortion, gun control, just for example. Okay? Immigration. These, these are personal values. You're not going to change my mind about gun control. I'm not going to change your mind about it. Nope, not going to happen. It's like the North and South and the Civil War. But can we agree that there are some shared values, okay, that we can agree upon? Do you agree with me that we should at least stay with courage? It's either yes or no. Yes. Okay. So that, that's what that's why I wrote this thing, I, I, in my heart, believe that these 10 values, 10 principles can help to unite us as a country and maybe, maybe even heal us in a time when, when the country is so divided. I believe it's true. Now, I'm not saying it has to be these 10, okay? But for whatever reason, uh, people from the president's cabinet have ordered the book for me. They've asked me to sign something or other. They've People have given away the book. You just wouldn't believe Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a long, long list. Navy SEALs. I've spoken to the West Point students. The FBI Academy, by the way, uses cowboy. It's amazing. And I'm just, I'm just a content guy. That's all I, all I do is write content. 
and I think like you do, that, that content is valuable. I've never ever said, oh, this is just like a, a blogger. No, 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 no. To write a book, to do what you do, this takes a lot of work and thought. And uh, that's why it's valuable. I but, love it. I, I so appreciate you explaining the background behind the book, but also diving into, you know, the construct versus, you know, what the book is really about. And I, I am so aligned with, uh, with your vision. Uh, I'm with you right there for sure. Thank you, Jim. Well, you've, you've done it seriously. You, and I, I, you know, I, I, I heard about you and I, I did my own checking out just like anybody would. Okay. And it's not that my time is that valuable, but I just want to make sure that it all, it came back loud and clear. Okay. That you have, that you have, that you have a voice that you're and that what you do, that you're providing a real value to people, to people that follow you and listen to you. I mean, what else, what else can you do in life except that? So I, I think it's a higher calling. That's what I believe. And it's like you, I'm not a preacher man and I don't go, I don't go around. I don't wear religion. What I do with, with religion is personal. Okay. It's not nobody's business except mine. Whatever I believe is what I believe. Okay. I don't try and change personal behavior like on, on that score, but like you, I'm trying to make a difference in the world. And uh, one of my favorite things out of cowboy ethics is, and I believe this is true, anyone can make money. It's much harder to make a difference. And I think it's absolutely true. Look at people who've got money. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Go on to Beverly Hills. If, you're, if somebody says, I'm so smitten with people who have money, go on to Beverly Hills. You'll be smitten very long. But often half of them are just terrible people. <laughs> it's true. And so, you know, I'd, I'd rather take somebody that doesn't have any money, but lead, that leads a good life. And my dad was that way. My dad was a, a dentist in Lexington, Kentucky. And, he, you know, he didn't make any money. This is back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. But by golly, when my dad walked into a room, everybody stood a little bit straighter. They did. It's true. And he had that kind of, how does he do that? I don't know. He just walks into the room. There's something about my dad that, and to this day, he passed away years and years ago. My brother, Charlie, older than me by two years, we both talk about it, think about our dad all the time. Like, what a role model. How lucky were we to have a role model like, like our dad? Because not everybody does. And this is why I personally felt so strongly, what can I do to help some child who's struggling, who doesn't have a parent like you or me? What, what can I do to help that child? And that's, that's what this is. That's what drives me with cowboy ethics. This I can do. I can, I can say I can, I can make a difference in some young child's life who's struggling. And that's why I do that. Now I'm trying to make a difference in people's lives because I'm, if I was 45 or 50, I wouldn't have written this book, Just Moved. This is not written for anybody. You know, who's 30 years old and, you know, guys that look, look at me in a bathing suit or, you know, look how much I can, you know, some CrossFit guy. No, it's for you. Somebody who's, you know, 60, 70 years old, maybe 75 or even 80 years old, who says, gosh, all I do is talk about aches and pains. Isn't there something I can do to, 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 to make my life better? And the answer is, I, I think there is. Okay. And. Rather than talk about, oh, God, I don't like exercising, don't even talk about Talk about movement. Just get off the couch and move. And when, when I do exercises, I call them movements. A lunge is just a movement. That's all it is. That's just 
a push-up. It's just a movement. It's nothing. I don't like doing push-ups. Well, I've got 50 more exercises you can do if you don't like push-ups. I don't like doing burpees. Don't have to. Dude. You don't have to. I got plenty of things you can do to take the place of. So you have to find out you know, what you enjoy doing, what you like doing, and you've got to find a way to make it fun. So my idea of fun is working out with, with in, a, in a gym because I enjoy, the, I enjoy working out with people my age, a little bit older. I like working out in, with younger people, okay? And I, I love working out with my wife. So Stanya and I work out, you know, a couple of days a week. Okay, I think that wraps things up. <laughs> Jim, you I have provided an enormous amount of insight and a wealth of information and I know well, myself, I so appreciate your time and your time and right now, but the time that you've invested to write these books and the time that you are providing to society to make, um, to change one life at a time. And, and thank you. I can't thank you enough. Well, and I, I will tell you the truth. I, I genuinely feel humble that you would have me on your program. I, I, I'm humble and I'm grateful for the chance to tell my story. Hope I didn't talk too much. Uh, Not at all. But I, I get I get into this stuff. I can't help it. I <laughs> my wife would say, it. talk less and say more, Jim. I love well, it. Well, I, I can't help it. Thanks, well, Megan. I hope, this, hope, hope this works with your audience. And I, I cannot thank you enough. And I genuinely enjoyed it. Indeed. Well, you take care, Jim, and everybody Thanks. should go to your websites, justmoveforlife.com or cowboyethics.org. Um, yep. See the work that you're doing, buy your books so you can continue doing some more great work. And so everybody who's reading those books can do some great work in their communities as well. Jim, have Thanks. a wonderful day. Thanks. Sure. Got God bless. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. To learn more about Jim and the Center for Cowboy Ethics and Leadership, please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 63. I do love hearing from my listeners and subscribers, so if you have feedback, suggestions, send an email to me, connect at the jacksonholeconnection.com. And please remember to visit giver.com, that's G-I-V-E-R.com to see what is happening in their world. I cannot create this podcast without the support of my wife, Laura, my editor, Michael Morey, my musical director, Luke Taylor, and my marketing guru, Tana Hoffman. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.